Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, a podcaster, sugar-free Red Bull drinker sure i'm all that proud of that but uh that is what is what's happening with me today and uh, i'd like to thank the people who bring you this in every episode of the alan me experience premier dental products inspired solutions for daily dentistry we to talk a little bit more about them later in the show but i want to introduce my co-host a friend of mine i've known him since like the beginning of my podcasting career dr drew burns drew how are you doing i'm doing great alan thank you for having me today yeah so he's uh drew is a dentist uh, he's also a podcaster. He's dipping his toe into the podcasting <laughs> realm. And uh, crazy, Drew. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. The title, I I don't know the exact title. I do. It's fee for service okay. dentistry, but it is. I think it's the. Let me guess. It's the the fee for service dentistry podcast or something like that. <laughs> something like that. So I, I changed it a couple of times, so don't feel bad. Uh, it is currently the currently the fee for service dentist podcast i just went as simple as possible i started with the fee-for-service dental practice okay and it was too many words um or you could change it to like you could you could go like fee-for-service in your face or something like that too that could work if you're looking for edgy or something like that yeah well i'll probably change it another four times or so yeah no you'll never be happy until it's until it's all (laughs) over that's how it works i like the dental hacks um i tell this story i realized what a terrible name that was because generally speaking dentists don't like uh, to be considered a hack, that's generally a bad thing. By the time we realized it was probably not a great, uh, we were thinking like life hacks, that sort of thing. Yeah. But by the time we figured it was a terrible name, it was too late. It already stuck. So, but for you and Jason, it's perfect. I mean, yeah, exactly. There you go. It's I. I don't. There's. It's always sort of tongue in cheek. I guess. I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. So before we go any further, I just want to talk about how excited I am. I really was looking forward to experiencing Alan Mead on the Alan Mead experience. And to get the full experience, I, I sent you a photo of this before we began. I made myself a cup of coffee in my Dental Hacks podcast mug. It's a mug with your mug on it. I know. So right? as, we're, as we're podcasting here in the Alan Mead experience, I am experiencing your face on my coffee. And it's, yeah, it's something else. It's Delicious. a whole next level. It is mm-hmm. funny. It's funny to have your visage <laughs> on on swag of sorts like um <laughs> for the voices of dentistry last year uh, i brought i brought t-shirts and we yes. I, I had a lot of t-shirts i'm thinking i don't know why exactly i forgot I thought, about the t-shirts i, I don't i, I don't exactly go, I know one. i don't even exactly know why <laughs> why i had i got like i had like 100 t-shirts made maybe it's because it was yeah. a better deal on bulk but we sold one t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> sold one t-shirt and i'm thinking to myself you know the the demand for pod, dental podcasting mm-hmm. swag significantly less than I originally thought. So I have now, a lot that, of I have a lot of t shirts left left. I, I've got to be honest. I was just thinking about that. Was that the the Voices of Dentistry t shirt? No, 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 no. It was the Dental okay. Hacks podcast t shirt. <laughs> Interestingly, we, we, for the Voices of Dentistry that we're talking about, uh, we're yes. we're trying to decide what swag to do. And I'm like, I know if we do the t shirts that they made for the the people who were running it. Like Sean Vandeviver made T-shirts for all of us, and that's essentially what we wore 
We all that was the way we could be identified. Those t-shirts are the coolest t-shirts ever. I wear them all the time. Like having nice. your having your own dental meeting makes you feel pretty cool. I will say that. So. <laughs> well, uh, in regards to the Voices of Dentistry t-shirts from last year, I was at the event. It was awesome, and I kept passing the t-shirt booth, and I was tempted every time. And I thought, but I thought if I get a t-shirt, like where am I going to wear this? Or someone's going to know what this is. Like, is it weird for a dentist to wear this thing? And so I didn't get it. But now I've got to be honest, I've, I've got FOMO going on, the fear of missing out. Because what would have been cool would be to, I'm going this year again to the second mm-hmm. annual uh, Voice of Dentistry. And what, how neat would it be to have had a T-shirt from the original? Yeah. That's where you wear it. And, and, and yeah, no, that's true. It's like, okay, so <laughs> when you go to a concert, it, like I've, yeah, I've, I've been to a point. bunch of different Rush concerts and yeah. it's apparently the, the, uh, it's really, really wrong and lame to wear the concert t-shirt oh, that you uh, bought at the concert. Like you can't wear oh. the concert t-shirt that you just bought, even though you waited in line for 40 minutes to buy the stupid Rush yeah. t-shirt of that particular tour. You have to wear the oldest uh, rush t-shirt that you <laughs> okay, have okay apparently yes. that's apparently that's how it's done i never knew this until i attempted to wear the t-shirt of the same yeah you can't be any more lame apparently so i think you, you might might have it oh. right i don't know that we're gonna have like dated i know for uh for some meetings i've been to the bo- the podcast movement they had swag and so you would mm-hmm. i mean the older the t-shirt you had the, the much more credibility you had to be sure exactly so i the street cred we probably need to think about this now the other thing if, if you actually if we actually want people to be able to wear them outside of the voices of dentistry meeting maybe a polo and then and then make it a little bit more subtle i don't know that we would do that though i'm not sure subtle is our thing so yeah yeah <laughs> well as as we're speaking about it voice of dentistry is coming up uh january 26th and 27th so it's a month, month and a half away or so uh in scottsdale arizona uh at the double tree resort it's gonna be fantastic if you're interested in finding out more and you can buy tickets at voicesdentistry.com. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a coupon code still out there working, capital V, capital O, capital D, 100, which will knock off $100 off the insanely low price already. It's $897 if you're paying full price for 16 hours of CE and a chance to meet all your favorite dental podcasters and like hang out with them and record with them and do karaoke with Jason Lipscomb and all that sort of thing. I don't know. And back massages too, right? Back, um, yes, I, yes. And back, that's, that's actually the whole concept. I think a lot of people signed up for the fact that right. the Lipscomb massages come included with the ticket. <laughs> you better, that's why I signed up. He's going to have to take some ibuprofen. He's got a lot of back rubs to do. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I so I mean, you you uh, tell what what did you think of the first one? What was what what was the vibe like at the Voice of the Industry last year? As, as I mean, so as a consumer versus as the guy attempting to run it like a chicken with his head cut off yeah so i um i am an avid podcast listener i'm a junkie and so i loved it it was way different than any dental meeting i've been to before it was kind of like everyone had this same feeling of am i weird for being here i'm not sure but everyone else that's the answer here is, is yes like me. yes you are <laughs> yeah so there was an excitement the sooner you sure. own that the better it'll go for everyone <laughs> everyone seemed really excited to be there and willing to just like talk to each other and talk about things they had learned from the different podcasts. And we got to meet everybody. And, you know, I think in the first night before the, the event even began, I was just, um, at, at like the bar in the hotel and I was talking with Mark Costas and Anissa Holmes and, um, a couple of other podcasters. And I'm like, is this real? Like, this is, <laughs> this is great. 
<laughs> yeah. But it's also a weird thing because it was a big deal for me because I have been listening to their shows for so long. Uh, Jonathan is. Van Horn was there too. Yeah. But, but no one else, like really in the outside of dental world would even know. Yeah. So it's a, uh, But it is it is it's like there is a certain and I've said this a lot of times before. When you mm-hmm. actually like hang out with the people that are in your ears, it is super weird. Like it's really weird. Like, oh my gosh, this person exists in a physical form instead of just that voice in my head, you know? It's a little mm-hmm. weird. One of the handiest little things that I have in the office is called the Premier Comfort View Lip and Cheek Retractor. Now, this is a retractor that is really easy to place. It's very comfortable to to have in your mouth, and it's really useful for all kinds of things. It's, you know, it's useful to retract the tissues for restorative work. Great for photography. Really good for impressions. Actually, really good for digital impressions. Um, kind of any place you could use an extra hand to retract the, the lips and cheek. Man, it's really good. I have a mess of these things around the office. I have both sizes, the small and the regular size. And um, I had my seven-year-old in the office with me. I was doing some work after hours. So I threw Jacob in the chair. And actually, I I put a picture of this up on Instagram. Um, I didn't know how small the small went. I figured, let's check it out in his little seven-year-old mouth. And lo and behold, I got that thing in like crazy, and it did exactly what it's supposed to. It attracted like crazy. So this thing is basically useful in all sizes of mouths, all ages. It's got a million uses. If you've never tried one before, you should really give it a try. My New Year's resolution is to use it more often than I even do now, which is kind of hard because I use it a lot. So many different things you can use this for. So try the Comfort View Lip and Cheek Retractor by Premier Dental Products. Premier, inspired solutions for daily dentistry. Like, I, I was at the podcast movement, met a guy who by the name of... Uh, Dan Benjamin, he has a, I think he has the best podcast on podcasting ever, although he doesn't seem to do it anymore. It's like every like nine or 10 months, he'll come up with an episode of it. It's called the podcast method. And um, he turned me on to the the way that I record my podcast. Long story short, it's an expensive way of doing it, but whatever. I And I I listened to his talk. I, I wanted to introduce myself to him. And he's much shorter in real life than I pictured him. He's like He's like a foot shorter than I pictured it. And I walked wow. up to him and I said, "Dude, you cost me a lot of money." And, and he immediately was like, <laughs> he was like super kind of scared because I was like two and a half feet taller than he was or something like yeah. that. But but uh, and we laughed a little bit. But so it is. It's cool. It's it's fun to sort of meet these people that that have inhabited your ears for a long time in person in in meat space, if you will. Yeah, it definitely is. So I mean, you you have been listening to podcasts a lot. What is it that uh, what is it that drove you to the idea of saying, "Hey, I could do this"? I, I've been I've been back and forth with you on podcasts for for better part of a year, I think, with the idea that you were going to try and do something with it, and you finally right. landed on one. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Well, so I didn't want to start a podcast just for the sake of starting a podcast. I only wanted to do it if it was going to be authentic. Um, and so the first, I, I contacted you about a couple. of, of ideas that I had. And then finally I settled in on what, what's most relevant to me is, is fee-for-service dentistry. So practicing dentistry, you know, out of network with any insurance companies. And I, I it, it's very, very relevant to me. And as I was listening to all the other podcasts out there, there were sometimes really good tips that I heard, but there's none specific to that kind of demographic. And that's what I was looking to hear. And so my, my goal, everyone that I've been you know, listening to in, in on the forums and dental hacks nations, there's a lot of people that chime in and say, Oh, you know, they're 
fee-for-service dentistry is a thing of the past. In 10 years, it's not going to be around anymore, or 15 years, or whatever. It's a dinosaur, right? But I'm young. I've got at least another 30 years to practice, I hope, God willing. And I want this to be I'm, – I'm fiercely determined to stay out of network with insurance companies for the rest of my career. So if we are going by the wayside as corporate dentistry takes you know, get more and more of a share of dentistry and as insurances give worse and worse reimbursement rates, as the tide rises around us, if, if fee-for-service practices are becoming more and more rare – I want to try to navigate the waters of how do I make mine as relevant as possible so that we're still going to be here in, in 30 years. And so I'm just trying to interview people who have more experience than me, right? I'm, I'm still figuring it out for myself. I don't claim to have all the answers. I just want to kind of, I guess, be a voice, in, in, a guiding voice in how, how we get there. How do we, um, if anyone else is wanting to either become out of network, they want to drop insurance companies, you know, we're, we're kind of interviewing people that sure. have done that and have had, had, had set success with that. So. That's what we're about, and that's what drove me to, to start this. I was, okay, okay. So I want to dig in. I want to dig into the nuts and bolts of fee for service specifically in a little while. But I guess okay. the first thing I, why a podcast? And and was there was there always this thought? I'd like to do a podcast, but I want to do a podcast on something that I can be specifically knowledgeable about. I mean, is is there a draw? Is it just that you listen to a lot of podcasts? And for me, I listen to a ton mm-hmm. of podcasts, and in the back of my mind, honestly, it didn't. It took a while before I started thinking, you know, I could do that. I mean, I could I could right. probably try. I mean, I like this. I think it's kind of cool. It, it is funny because there's a very – there's a different – you look at it differently from when you're a listener to when you're producing it. Like you can't – it kind of wrecks listening to podcasts in some ways when you are producing one. But I'm just curious, like what <laughs> what are your thoughts on podcasting and, and, and specifically, you know, how, how you jumped into it? It's all been ruined for me yeah, <laughs> since I, know, I right? started – no, no. So yeah, I I love just the podcast format in general because you can do it, you know, you can do it whenever, whatever you're doing. When, when you're driving, you talk about a lot in your show, your long commute. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be an overshare. So I don't have a long commute. Um, I have a very short commute, but the overshare is I'm so hooked on podcasts that I need to find time to listen to them. So I put a Bluetooth speaker in my shower. There you go. And I, yeah. I literally every day I'm listening to a podcast while I'm showering. Yeah, that's and, that's I I have a, I have a an Amazon <laughs> uh, Echo in my in yeah. my bathroom, and so I <laughs> I try not to be in the shower too long in the morning. I'm trying to you know typically I'm, I yeah. I have my routine, so I can listen to the NPR news. They have like a five minute news blurb every hour or so. So I listen to that. I figure if I've gone any if I if I'm hearing a second round of it, that means I've been in the shower too long. But yeah, but nice. I do I do agree when I, when I'm not in a rush I will I I use that to listen to podcasts um mm-hmm. or 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 audiobooks sometimes but yeah I do I mean I I'm horrible I live in my headphones man like if I'm if I'm preparing dinner and I know that I don't have to pay attention to the children and sometimes even when <laughs> I should pay attention to the children I I have headphones on I'm listening I I it isn't I can't honestly say that it's all about the commute anymore because it's not. There's not honestly. Sure. There's not enough time in my commute to hear all the podcasts that I want to hear and, and all that sort of thing. So it's it's a so, uh, it's funny. It's it's beyond that for me now. To go back to the voice of dentistry for a moment, I mentioned that I was talking with Jonathan Van Horn, um, and that was one of the things I told him there was that I that's one of the times I listen to podcasts in the shower. And you're talking about how like it's it's intimate to hear these people in your headphones. And I'm like, well, you want to talk about intimate. <laughs> and I told him that in passing and now I'm telling the world on your show, yeah, which is really weird. But some, what's happened even weirder than that 
is in the past year since I told him that he's referenced that without referencing my name on his show. He said maybe at least two or three times that he knows somebody who listens to podcasts while he's in the shower. And I was in the shower when he said it. Yeah. And it was the most. It's like it super, super meta. Thing. It's super meta. <laughs> now, now, on the so, other hand, it would get even weirder if he said, you know, I know someone who listens to my podcast naked. That'd be yeah. even different. That'd be even weirder. Yet, he's shampooing his hair right exactly, now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan's one of my favorites because he, um, yeah. he, you don't think of accountants as as accountants in general are pretty serious people. Like like just in general. I mean, you assume account, and he's like he literally. I think he has his tongue in his cheek all the time. I think he takes almost nothing seriously, and his voice sounds kind of serious, but you can kind of tell that he's not serious. I sort of love that about him. Yeah, so it's one of my favorite things about him. Um, so to to answer your question a little bit more though about why I'm doing the podcast. You know, I just, I, I was dead set on, on doing this fee for service thing and I want to take others along with me, right? I, I, I don't believe people that say that there won't be fee for service dentist in 10 or 15 years. Um, I think the, the marketplace is certainly changing and we have to evolve to stay relevant, right? To make, to be worth going out of network for. And so as I'm trying to figure out that on my own, for my own practice, I thought, what better way to have a podcast where I can interview people that are smarter than me and get their tips and tricks. And, and, and But also what I want to bring to the show is your average fee-for-service bread-and-butter dentist. You know, uh, We've heard from a lot of like industry leaders on a lot of these great dental podcasts that are out there. But I want to interview the – not to say the little guy, but guy, guys like me or guys like, like me that have been doing it, though, for way longer than I have. What's worked for them and will that work going forward? And Ask them if they had to do it all over again. What would they do differently? Well, okay. Let me let me just start. Let me start with the basics. Now, yep. when you say fee for service, yep. um, you mean that you are not in network with an insurance company. Correct. When That's I hear I mean. that, when I hear that, what I hear, and this isn't exactly accurate from what I understand, what I hear is that the insurance company doesn't send you the check. That's what I'm hearing. Is that right? That's not right. Not always right. Yep. yep. That's yeah. what I thought. It, to my knowledge, the only one that won't send us a check, at least in our area, is Delta Dental. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they will send the patient directly, uh, send the check directly to the patient, and that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's for, for that's, us. In, in the that's the way it has been around us too, and thus around me. I don't know. I don't honestly know any general dentists that are mm-hmm. out of network with Delta. Uh, okay. I mean Delta Premier. On the other hand, Delta Premier has changed so much. They're phasing it out. So, and, and and honestly, new dentists for some time have not been able to become part of the network anyhow. Like like you only basically grandfathered in if right. you were there. When so so that that thing is changing whether we like it. Or, you know, like some of us are going to become right. <laughs> become quote unquote fee for service dentists with no choice. <laughs> you know, like like I don't I am not in network with any with any um, other insurance companies. So in a, I, mm-hmm. I sort of laugh at it. I never thought of myself, but I'm I'm kind of closer to that than not. And here's. So the challenge is okay. A lot of patients have insurance. Yep. Um, a lot of insurances are trying to subtly or not so subtly promote their patients to going to in-network dentists mm-hmm. because they basically they get stuff for not always. I mean, I know for for a fact it isn't always this way, but they get a greater percentage of their benefits paid. I think is that t- just give me your understanding of how fee for service works for people <laughs> in and out of network. I'm just curious. Right. So, I mean, if you're in network with um, an insurance company, they, they usually negotiate your rates down. If you ask for $1,000 for a crown, they're going to say, okay, well, 
we'll cover, you know, 80% of that. And so I think that they would, they would negotiate the rate down to 80 and then cover, excuse me. So they would negotiate the rate down to 800 from, from your fee of a thousand, they'd negotiate it down to 800 and then they would give you 50% of that. And the patient pays the other 50%. Um, I'm a little bit off track. What was your question? Uh, basically, basically <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like, what is an in-network what what's a patient oh, right. to experience okay. dollar wise for in network gotcha. than out of network? If, if you're so going to for, an in network dentist for X insurance company, they're going to pay a higher percentage of of the. Ch- I don't even know how. I I know I in you. my brain. I'm I'm having a hard time putting it together in words. Though. The, the problem when the scenario that I just described, if the patient then goes out of network to me, if I charge a thousand dollars, the patient's now responsible for fifty percent of the thousand dollars. Um. So. I think that's how you know every plan's different, it's, and it's not but, quite that way though. Because when you're out of network, they, there's a certain amount they'll pay, and, and the but the but the patient you the difference right. is when you're in network, there's a certain part that you cannot charge the patient for. In other words, you can't charge the extra of your fee, and when you're out okay. of network, you can. I, I mean, honestly, right. so I so here's I, an example. Yeah. So I had um I had a patient who was out of network. He knew he was going out of network, and we the estimate. This is this is an example that makes it out of network being very difficult, right? So he, we, his estimate was that they were going to cover um, half of our crown fee, and after we did the procedure, it came back and they said, "Nope, they're only going to cover forty percent of it." Um, now, it, with the way my office works, he's completely responsible for the difference there. If, if they if I do a composite filling and they downgrade it to amalgam, he's responsible for whatever the difference is. Yeah. I think if you're in network, if they downgrade it, you take what you get, and that's that. Yep. Um, so I, I get my full fee. I've got to collect it from the that's patient. A, that's a, the out-of-network person is essentially getting their full fee, and the in-network dentist is taking a taking a docked fee. Correct. And the, and the patient, the patient right quote off. unquote, benefits monetarily from that. That's that's maybe the shortcut. That's maybe the the short version of what we're talking about, correct? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it took us a while to get there. I know, but, right. but, but, but there's a reason that it takes, because it is sort of confusing. And to be honest, I don't, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about this stuff. I think maybe mm-hmm. I should, but, but I mean, there's a, it, there's a little bit of hoop jumping to even figure it out. Now, what the patient knows on that end is, wait a second, I have to pay more to go to you because you're out of network. If I went to someone in network, Doc, I would pay less for this. And that all depends. Um, I find most of the time for cleanings and you know basic, basic uh, cleanings and exams, a lot of the times it's covered at a hundred percent. So from your average patient who's not getting a lot of work done, it might not mean any difference. So we don't want to jump the gun, especially if it's a new patient calling, jump the gun and say, "Oh, we're at a network. Sorry, we can't see you." You know, we try to offer like a free insurance evaluation where we look up what their benefits are at our office. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of patients, it might even be the same. Mm-hmm. And they might pay the same out of network as they would in network. It just depends. But a lot of them also do not. So we never want to get somebody in the chair and then find out, oops, we thought it was going to be covered at 100% and you owe $100 for today's cleaning. Or You know what I mean? So yes. there's a lot of, a lot of ways that they get, you got to be careful about how you proceed because you don't want to piss anybody off. Well, I and I, I will tell you that I, I've been pretty vocal about this on the dental hacks. I, I I am I don't pretend ever that we're like if if they really want to know if we're in network, I just say no, we're not. But what mm-hmm. is that? Right. I mean, we can then explain what that actually so means. 
But I, but there's a lot of people that want to get that person in and try and slick around that, and I, I think that's wrong. It's the wrong approach because because yeah. you know what the person who the person who's really looking for someone in network because they're really hung up on that they don't you right. don't you don't want to you don't try and convince them. I mean, maybe you want to have that conversation. I don't. I don't want. I don't want them no. to feel like we jerk them around from the get go. And if, I think I think that there's a little you, bit of that. Yeah, if they're asking you if you're out of network. In our office, the only answer is no, we're not. If they're asking you, do you take my insurance? That's a different conversation altogether. They may not know what in or out of network means. They're asking, can they I become a patient don't. in your office? Yeah, they right? probably so if we say don't. No, if we say no, they're going to assume they can't become a patient. So do you take my insurance? Well, what, what insurance do you have? Don't, don't open with, we're out of network with all insurance plans. Open with, well, you know, tell us what insurance you have. Let's do an evaluation. And let's look what it covers in our office. Oh, Mrs. Jones, um, you've got some good insurance. We have a... Um, and maybe, maybe you even volunteer then that you're out of network. That's not quite how we handle it. You've got some great insurance. Um, we're not in network with it, but we've got a lot of patients in our office who, you know, have your insurance who decide to go out of network anyways. Um, you know, I just had, uh, Dr. Chris Phelps on, on my podcast talking about this very topic and he had some really great verbiage to how to handle that. Question I know well. I, I, I won't lie to you. I've heard his verbiage before and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of uncomfortable with it. I think sure. maybe. For me, I'm. I think I am transparent to the max, to the point where I love it. I actually go beyond. I I explain. I'm not going to let them get off the phone without realizing that yes, we are out of network. Obviously, they're welcome. We're glad to have them, but mm-hmm. I, I I assume I assume the worst case, and we explain everything. I will say this: sure, patients are not used to having anything explained kindly over the phone to them. So sometimes that's enough to get True. them to come in anyhow. <laughs> I mean, like in all seriousness, that most people are expecting you to give them a big raspberry. But I mean, my thing is, I don't want a patient coming into my office with an expectation of one thing when I know darn well that it's another yep. thing. That's I I, I, so agree. I go out of my way to not not use verbiage. We 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 go out of our way, to, but that's that's neither here nor there. We're sort of getting hung up on the. <laughs> on to, my thing is like okay. What makes a fee for service practice different than an insurance practice? Because the reality is, the fee for service mm-hmm. dentist, the fee for service practice, has to. It it feels like to me you have to deliver service differently. You either have to be better dentist technically, like any patient knows what that means. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. that's that's the other. Right. Thing. It's it's nearly impossible to explain to a patient why you're why you're better mm-hmm. than someone else. Because honestly, you really can't you can't explain that it's not ethical and it's not. But but like the other thing is, is you. I feel like fee for service dentists have to bend over backwards service wise in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, right. But but I before I go there, okay. What you are not, and this is a whole different conversation because and I want to find a dentist to talk to about this. What you are not is cash only. Correct. No, we do file insurance on behalf of the patients. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a lot of people about my age, which is mid 40s, who maybe were on Dental Town, you know, a lot, you know, 10 or 15 years ago and heard fee for service and, and thought what they were saying is cash only. Right. Uh, like, like, so I think that that's a very different, like, <laughs> I think that falls under the umbrella of fee for service. It sure does, but it didn't. But, right. but, but when you say fee for service, I th- I almost not you when when someone says fee for service yeah. they almost have to be specific about what they mean. Here's the thing, sure. you know I love the idea of a cash only practice and and not not cash only meaning. I love the idea of actually being able to be like less expensive because we're cash only because there's literally no complication with insurance. There's literally no free consultation about how much your insurance covers in our office. 
there's like, I mean, when you think about how much time and effort is spent on figuring out how much they will pay, but, but people have insurance. And if you have insurance, you want to use your insurance. You know, mm-hmm. what you really want is to have no dental problems ever, nothing. I get it. But if you have insurance, you want to use your insurance. And, and it doesn't right. make you a bad person for wanting to use your insurance. As much as, <laughs> as much as we talk about how much we hate dental insurance, and frankly, I really do in a lot of ways, because having insurance limits what patients feel like is the treatment that they need. Like when mm-hmm. they have when they have dental insurance that that limits you at limits the benefit any given year at twelve hundred dollars or fifteen hundred, the patient hears that they will only need there is no way they will need more than twelve hundred dollars in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of and, and obviously there's a lot of patients that need way less than that, but there's a mm-hmm. ton of patients. A lot of my adult patients could use a whole heck of a lot more dentistry than that in any given year if they were doing things ideally, and and so I feel like. It definitely limits our ability to do, you know, more ideal, complete treatment plans. In other words, right. and so, and when I think of fee-for-service dentistry, I tend to think of offices doing more of that complete care. And again, that might be, mm-hmm. that might not be accurate. What do you think about all that? Well, I think that certainly, again, falls under the umbrella of a fee-for-service dentist and you know, it, it lends itself better to comprehensive care. If, if someone has, if your insurance, if your practice is only PPO insurances and you're a network and someone has that maximum benefit of $1,000 a year, you're right. They're, they're of that one tooth a year mindset. Um, and maybe there's pressure on the dentist to maximize the benefits each year. Um, if someone can charge their full fee and, and patients don't have that as a barrier, they're full focused on full health. You know, we don't do a ton of comprehensive like Spear or Dawson type cases, full mouth reconstructions. Um, but it, it's, I think it, it's set up better. You know, half of our practice it, are cash paying patients. They don't have dental insurance. Yep. yep. The other half are out of network. So interestingly, those cash paying patients mm-hmm. don't want to pay for dentistry either. It's just that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thing. They, they don't. <laughs> What I'm saying is there's not one patient that walks in the door going, man, you know, I'd like to drop about four grand here. I have, I mean, I'm not having any problems. My teeth, I'd love to just spend some money here. No one is in, in there wanting to spend money. When someone gives you, uh, pardon my French, but a shitty coupon book that's mm-hmm. your basically your your right. insurance in one way or the other, and you hand that to the person and say, so what can I get for this? It does irritate me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but yet I, I think most people – would rather not it's tough you don't want to chase the person out because they have a coupon book but on the other hand they're they're so geared into the idea of well i've got a coupon book so i'm going to get a quote unquote deal in some way like right. like my wife is guilty of shopping for the deal like she would potentially oh, yeah. buy something she doesn't need because it was a good deal <laughs> you know what i'm saying like like All the time. And, i mean that that's not something that would happen that's in dentistry great. but the bottom line is it's like the coupon book, the insurance means you're getting a better deal than if you're buying it with cash in their mind. And I think that's actually probably not accurate in a lot of ways. Like like because because the coupon book also really limits significantly what you can buy in in like what you know, what if an insurance doesn't cover, I don't know if this is a thing anymore, but doesn't cover, you know, posterior composite versus amalgam or they won't cover a crown, they'll only cover mm-hmm. a direct restoration or whatever. The, the the problem with insurance isn't that it's it's money that you get to use for for your treatment. It's 
it's money that they decide what you can do with, you know, and so right. it really jades your decision. And I think sometimes yeah. maybe a fee for service takes that limitation away from you to some extent. You know, they're yeah, not. There's when you're in network or when there's insurance involved, rather, there is just that third party that's involved in the treatment plan somehow. It should be between the dentist and the patient. And that's that. But there's also this third party that may or may not pay a portion. And we want to try to navigate the maximum of what they might pay. And that kind of somehow might influence the patient's decision, obviously. And so uh, if we could take that third party out of it, it, things become a lot more simpler and we can re really recommend full health for our patients. And, and I want to be very clear. I'm not ever implying that, you know, someone who's in network with insurance companies is doing substandard care. That's not our, no, our, no, no. our look at it or anything like that. But when people hear, oh, this is the fee-for-service guy or whatever. So I just want to be clear about that. Like I, some of the best dentists that I know are in network with lots and lots of plans and they're doing excellent care for their patients. Well, in network and out of network too, to be honest, there are geographical limitations to some extent. There mm -hmm. are, there are, uh, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not like a fee for service in one neck of the woods might not be the exact same deal as fee for service in another neck of the woods too. I mean, right. I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of guys around me that practice really high end stuff, do a great, but they're all in network. I mean, they're all in network. Sure. Well, okay, I'm sorry. They're all in network for the one major for Delta. I mean, I don't know if anyone else is in network for anything around us. Tell you the truth, because okay. I haven't I haven't paid attention. But but I mean, like we were we were for the longest time we were a GM town, man. Like when I started mm -hmm. practicing dentistry, everyone that walked in the door had GM insurance, and GM insurance covered everything at ninety percent. Like like yeah. who's, who's gonna what? How do you argue with that? I mean they. And and what happened since then? <laughs> GM went <laughs> went bankrupt actually. And, oh, well, uh, and that's an example. That's sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They well, they pulled they pulled the plug on on all of their retirees that had this killer insurance. And yeah. the what did the retirees do? The retirees just kept coming in and paying for cash, right? Okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, no, oh. they just didn't come in for five years. Exactly. They were all a complete nightmare when they came in because they were they they'd had cherry insurance forever. Interestingly. A lot of the retirees that came back, they they got the cheery insurance back, but there's a lot less of them around anymore, and no one offers that. No one has that coverage anymore that works. Like it's just it, in the same way that pensions are not really a thing anymore compared to most people having a four hundred one k. It's just an expensive way to do things now. So you just can't offer that kind of. What insurance is now around us is a lot different than it used to be. Is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. And, and and unfortunately what people think of as insurance should be is hasn't changed whereas what it actually is has does that make sense it sure does here's here's the thing for me so um in the the fee for service dentistry facebook group somebody posted a poll and said of those of you who are fee for service like what options would you pick if if you were offered from an insurance company if they offered to pay you 80% of your fees to go in network or 85% of your fees, or 90%, or 95% of your fees, you know, and you had to select an option, or I'm never going in network with an insurance plan. And for a moment, I was tempted, right? I'm like, well, 95% of my fees, that sounds great. It's only a 5% hit. Why wouldn't I sign on for that with the hope of getting more patients, right? And then take a 5% hit. That seems like a good deal. But, you know, as, as we've kind of seen what's evolved with dentistry or with dental insurance over the decades is, Maybe it starts off as a good deal, but it gets a worse yep. and worse deal over the years, yep. and then you're locked in. And so I, I was one of the few people that clicked, I would never go insure in, in network with insurance, and I hope that I'm able to stay out of network. But that, that's kind of my philosophy around dental insurance is maybe it's a good deal today. Maybe it's an okay deal today for dentists, but what, what is 
the reimbursement going to look like in five or 10 years as these dental insurance companies keep wanting to deliver higher and higher profits for their shareholders and keep reimbursing less and less for dentists. So it, it is funny too, because I mean that, that the amount that is covered, like the, like the, the benefit, um, you know, the, the high end. So some, some brands right. are 1200, some are a thousand, some are 1500. That, that hasn't like increased in a lot of cases, it's decreased, it hasn't increased. I've not seen it increase since I started no. practice for 20 years. I haven't seen that increase like at all. Uh, clearly, deli- delivering dentistry is in, has, is more expensive now. But I heard a figure this morning that said in the 70s when insurance first ran out, you know, rolled out, it was uh, the, the maximum was, you know, 1000 1200 which is around where it is today, 1000 to 1200 most plans. It, with inflation, if, if the insurance companies kept, you know, upping that with inflation – it should be worth around six to seven thousand dollars in today's money, mm-hmm. but they haven't increased it at all. Though you know the amount that your pay, the patients are paying for insurance has increased. Sure. So so they're charging more for the insurance but, and paying dentists less and for it. What twelve hundred dollars? The amount of dentistry that twelve hundred dollars buys now compared to then is significantly different too. I mean, right? Like, like uh, heaven forbid they need a root canal any given year, you know, on that mm-hmm. tooth that needs a crown. Cause that's a two year process now, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's if you're, if you're just using insurance to get your benefit, I mean, the whole thing's sort of dumb. And, and the problem is, is that I'm a dentist along with a lot of other dentists that have allowed myself to become warped into this thought process. That, right. That Everybody's tra- saying be more efficient, right? Just, yeah. But, just, but I mean, worse than efficient. that, we're trying, we're, we're trying to, to make the patient's needs fit within their insurance. Right. And this is not, this is not, a, I mean, they do that in medicine too. In other words, you know, yeah. they're, they're, although I got to say in medicine, they never talk about freaking money. They never talk about money. The physicians <laughs> don't have to do that. They don't they don't worry right. about how much stuff's going to cost. They, they I think they to someone probably worries about whether the coverage any given patient has will cover stuff. So then you hear about the, the outrageous stories of the insurance company wouldn't cover this surgery that was going to, you know, whatever in there, a mm-hmm. horrible person. But the reality is the physicians are really involved with that where we're on the bottom. You know, we're on the we're the ones like checking out for patients. It is funny in dentistry. We always talk about money and patients always think dentists are always about money. The difference is Mm -hmm. in medicine, no one talks about money. And, and most of the time treatment is covered at whatever level it is. In other words, if you need, you know, if, if you need a flu vaccine versus if you need, you know, uh, a heart bypass, no one talks about money on either of those things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like clearly, even though, you know, you're talking, you're talking like twenty bucks versus you know fifty thousand dollars. There's no no discussion of what what stuff's going to cost and what bill's going to show up in your mailbox later. And in dentistry, we don't we don't sign off on treatment as as basic as a couple fillings without letting the patient know how much it's going to cost them and what we right. estimate their benefits are going to be, whether it's in network or out of network. It's Mickey Mouse. It's like it's and patients come in thinking that their dental insurance is like medical insurance because why wouldn't <laughs> they, right? You know, it's. it's it's right. a farce. I but I want to I kind of want to get away from the insurance thing. I've been beating this like a dead horse. My thing is sure. understanding that you are your choice is to be out of network. And yes. that means that you are it doesn't necessarily mean you're trying to talk your patients into thinking that dental insurance that they have is dumb. <laughs> you know, it's like cuz a lot of people feel like, "Well, right. you just tell talk to your patients and they you'll re- they'll realize how bad they're." No. If their employer's paying for it, they're going to want to try and use it in most yeah. in most cases. But, but I mean, you have to differentiate yourself in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think, right? Because like, if if everything was exactly the same and the patient knew that or thought they knew that, 
what would keep them in Dr. Burns' office versus just some guy down the street if they feel like all things are equal and one person takes their insurance in network and one doesn't? You know, are people price shoppers? And then what does a fee-for-service office do to try and get people, you know, to go out of network? So I want to hear about that. Yeah, so do I. That's why I started the podcast. I definitely, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and that's why I'm interviewing people with that exact question. How do we raise the bar, right? How do we over deliver on on what we're offering to our patients and make their experience, right? The Alameda experience, huh? Make their experience. I see what you did there. So great. You see what I did there? So great that they, you know, they are willing to pay more if necessary to come see us. They wouldn't think about going to another dentist. Um, well, that may sound like a pie in the sky type thing, but that that's what really what I have to try to set as the vision for my practice. And I'm looking at what are the little things that we can do, right? The add up, you know, the Keurigs and the warm towel, warm scented towels. But none of that for me as a patient is going to be like, yeah, those, those are nice, but I'm not going to be paying extra for them. Right. So I think it comes back. I to can stop at Starbucks on my way there and I'm all good. Yeah, exactly. And use my insurance benefits as to where they're covered elsewhere. Right, exactly, right? yeah. So I don't know the answer exactly. I've got a lot of things that we're trying in our office. I think some are working, some aren't. Um, but I, I tend to intend to try to, you know, uh, detail those through the podcast as we as we try to raise the bar. And I think it starts, the, the basics, though, are incredible customer service and just good relationships. Um, everyone's been saying that that's how we compete with corporate, but shoot, I think in a lot of instances, corporate dentistry, I mean, they've, they've probably have better customer service than a lot of our solo doc practices that are just doing things the way we've always been doing them. It's certainly better systems in place. The systems sometimes makes it a better, like a better delivery of service. The systems, the fact that they, they, have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and, and that sort of thing right. in some ways that, that make, uh, you know, sloppy solo practice a little bit like, right. like, like, I mean, the systems actually help in, in sort of a goofy way. They sort of, they sort of help, uh, with mm-hmm. customer service that doesn't make them, I will say this. Okay. So a couple things that when, when chain, the chains around me, when they get it wrong, it's because it's crazy. It's like, they're going to a, a a barbershop. They don't see the same dentist every time they go in. Mm-hmm. That seems mm-hmm. crazy to me. Like that doesn't, the, when I hear that, that doesn't seem hard to compete against because like, yeah, I'm the only dentist here or we only have a couple dentists and you're, but on the other hand, there are some systems in place. And frankly, there are some really good marketing pieces and, and, mm-hmm. and, and their locations are always good and their, their building is always nice and all that stuff where they can be, they can definitely beat out, you know, like, like a more mom and pop operation for sure. And, mm-hmm. I mean, as a fee-for-service dentist, do you feel like that's what you're competing against? Is like the the, the corporation no. more than anything? No, I think that you'll you'll hear most fee-for-service dentists say would say no to that today, right? It's like mm-hmm. no, they that's I've heard a lot of guys say that's where I get my best referrals from. You know, they went to the the whatever shop down the road, the mill down the road, and mm-hmm. then they came to me because they didn't like the experience. But what happens in ten years? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. When maybe the corporate uh, offices have figured that piece of the puzzle out. Maybe now they own 80% of the offices in the country and mm-hmm. they dictate who, and now it, for a dental student coming out and for a dentist who's been out for years, like it's, it's hard to find a job and, and you, you, when you get it with the corporate office, you want to stay there. And so now instead of this rotating door of dentists going through every time, now it's like they've have consistency and they just own the practice and 
they've got the one dentist who's going to be there for his career. And now that's who I'm competing with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and they, and they have the systems on top of that. And I don't know if that will happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've got to think they, they think it's such a high level about their systems. I'm sure they recognize that the rotating door of dentists is not a good thing. Uh, right now they're still insanely profitable with it, but maybe they'll come back and, and figure out a system. Maybe it's just paying the dentist better. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't but know either. I, I, okay. So knowing that, okay. So in some ways that's going to be your competition in some ways, just dentists that are, that are in your face in the, in the network. In other words, they get a little booklet, your name's not in it and, and their name is in some ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, does fee for service by definition mean your marketing has to be more on point? You have to be, you have to be better marketed in some places or in, in some ways. Is that, is that what you're thinking as well? You know, as of today, I'd say in general, most fee-for-service offices are the mom and, uh, you know, the, the mom and, the, what am I trying to say? The, mom and uh, pop. Mom and pop. I was going to say mom and doc. <laughs> mom and pop's uh, dental office has been doing it the same way for years and years. And it's working, and it's word of mouth, and they're not really doing much marketing, and they don't need to, and, and they're fairly busy, and they're doing fine. Um, and what I hear people saying, though, right, is it's the fee-for-service dentists that should be the ones that are marketing mm -hmm. because they're not taking – people equate being in network uh, with an insurance company as marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're writing off 20% of what you'd be collecting so that you could bring in new patients, and that's marketing. So if anyone should be marketing, it should be the ones who aren't writing that off. It makes a ton of sense, but I, I you know, it's funny. I, I never – maybe I should – I don't equate the write-offs with who I participate with mm -hmm. as marketing, though, because like I don't, yeah. I don't tend to think of you know my my best source of page, new patients as being my insurance booklet. Although I may be in one of those for for who I participate with, but I don't tend to think of it as a marketing expense. But and a lot of people say you should look at it that way because then it'll mm -hmm. piss you off enough to do something about it. But <laughs> but I mean, like I I don't think of it that way. It's tough. Right. It's like it's like getting your brain around this when, especially, I've been relatively complacent about it because I haven't had to worry mm -hmm. about it that much. But I do mm -hmm. like here's here's what I'm when I hear this, and there's a lot. I'm glad you're doing a podcast, an entire podcast on this because there's a lot to this. Like we've literally just scratched the surface and we're pretty much mm -hmm. running out of time. I look at it and I go, I feel like the fee for service person needs to be looking for the person who is who is insurance insensitive. In other words, someone who doesn't think about the idea that, well, to, in order to go to the dentist, I need insurance. Because there are people like that. Like mm -hmm. maybe, as, as Chris Phelps tends to talk about, less and less. Yes. A lot of people feel like they need to be on some kind of a plan. And that's where, that's right. where, the, that's where the, the in-house plans come into, which, which I find pretty useful in my office. But, but to be honest, like you need to <laughs> – the best patient for a fee-for-service office is a patient that just never really felt like you had to have insurance to go to the dental office – and that you just right. pay for stuff. There are, there are a few people in the world like that, and that's who you. That's who I want to market to. I don't know how to do that exactly. I don't know how to target that person. I think that's that might be the key to any fee for service person, right? I think you just answered your own question with your dental uh, membership plan, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you market that? And so I'm I'm uh, working that out on my own. I'm starting my own in January, and we're going to be doing some uh, heavy Facebook marketing with it and trying to go to places where it, Chris, Chris Phelps is, is he's talked about this a lot. He mm -hmm. loves to go into retirement homes and to where people, he knows people that they have dental needs, they have money, they just don't have insurance. So mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you can give them a plan where, um, they feel like now they have this thing that will, they're getting a deal, it'll bring them in. And so 
I think you, you target the cash patient with your membership plan. So how do you successfully market that? Well, we'll see. <laughs> Figuring it I, out as well. Clearly, clearly it's, it, it might be easier said than done, but I think that there's uh, – honestly, I'm, I'm really excited that you're doing a podcast on this. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell everyone – tell the listeners where to – okay, what are they going to search for when they're looking for it in iTunes or whatever? So just type in fee for service dentistry, and it should be the first one that pops up. Go ahead, click subscribe, then click five stars, and then... There you go, exactly, you got it. <laughs> then leave my office a Google review, and you get the idea. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and what's fun is, is like, I suspect this will, once you, once you start to scratch that itch, you're going to be able to go down quite a few rabbit holes on this, because this right. is not, you know, there's a lot of people that have thought about this and have decided they're not going to do that, or that they really want to do that, and they're not sure how to do that, all that stuff. And I think there's some people like me that are closer to it than we even realize. And if insurance mm-hmm. changes too awful much, we're going to have to be real conscious of of what move we're making. It's it's kind of interesting. Like I, I didn't even realize it, but there may be some people that are inadvertently fee for service without even knowing it. And I might even be one of them, <laughs> depending Absolutely. on how insurance changes. And I mean, you, I think you saw the post that a lot of people were saying that in January of 2018, insurance companies would not be paying out of network anymore. Yeah. And it's and I just did an, um, a podcast episode about that yeah. uh, particular topic with the person who posted it. Yeah. But I think the question is whether or not it's going to happen in January. It's, January. Yeah, it's not. It's not in January, but it is something that we all ought to be thinking about. I think is what happened. Right. I mean, there are exactly. some plans that are going to do it, in, but those are the same plans that have been doing it for a long time. They're called DMOs. Yeah. We we actually yeah, exactly. just released a, a dental hacks podcast on the same same topic with with Paul Goodman. But this is really cool. I, I I'm I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to end it here, knowing that okay. we've got a lot more to talk about. But everyone needs to go check out. Uh, everyone needs to check out Drew's podcast, and everyone needs to come to the Voice of Dentistry. Come meet Drew. Come see me, and uh, and we got lots to talk about. So thank you a ton for being on the show, Drew. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. It was a great experience. If you have any questions or comments about the Alan Meat Experience, please email me info at the Alan Meat Experience. No, it's not. It's Alan. At theallenmeetexperience.com. I don't even know my own email address. That's, this is live podcasting, people. Go to iTunes. Leave five stars. And uh, if you want into the Allen Meet Experience Facebook group, just come find us on Facebook. You need to know the uh, premiere is the password to get in, and we'll catch you there. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week.